Three Women, Chicago's long-running hit show, is now playing at Goodman Theater. A series of related scenes, Three Women is a compelling yet humorous play about women, by women, and for everyone. The Chicago Tribune called Three Women tender, evocative, and insightful, a show none should want to miss. Performances run Tuesday through Sunday. Call Goodman Theater for reservations. The number is 443-3800. And back to Sherlock Holmes. Before we need think of starting, I think we might employ it in getting some dinner, don't you? Well, suits me. And then, Lestrade, we'll take the London fog out of your throat by giving you a breath of the pure night air of Dartmoor. Because I've never been on Dartmoor. Well, I don't suppose you'll forget your first visit. Oh. Come along. Now, I'll lead the way along the moor path. I must ask you to walk on tiptoe. And not to raise your voices. Very serious indeed. It could ruin all our plans. What? What's the time? Uh, ten, ten o'clock. Come along now. His life depends on his coming out before the fog is over that path. If he isn't out in a few minutes, the path will be covered. We shan't be able to see our hands in front of us. Why? Why doesn't he come? Ah, the front door is coming now. Oh, 
Holmes, why don't we let him know we're here? No, I said no. This is the moment, Watson, the supreme moment. Quiet. The horn. Here we are, friend. But, but where? Don't confound this fog. Holmes, look there. It is mouth. The thing's on fire. Oh, God, it's something out of hell. Just in time. Here's a flask of brandy. Oh, thank you, Lestrade. Oh, Here's some of this to this. Steady, steady. You're all right. Come. Have a little more. Oh, my God. What was it? In heaven's name, what was it? Whatever it was, it's dead. We've laid the family ghost once and for all. Look at the size of the brute. Oh, those dreadful flames. Even now, the mouth's on fire. And the eyes... Look at the eyes. Oh, don't worry. It's phosphorus. Look, I've got it in my fingers now. Phosphorus? Yes. And a very cunning preparation of it. There's no smell to interfere with the animal's power of scent. Oh, Sir Henry, we owe you a deep apology. I was prepared for a hound, but not for such a creature as this. You saved my life. Having first in danger. What's... Give me another mouthful of that brandy. Come on, here we are. That's it. Ah. Oh, that's better. That's better. Now, if you'll help me up a little. Yes, Yes, thank you. What do you propose to do now? To leave you here. You're not fit for further adventures tonight. If you wait, one or other of us will go back with you to the hall. Right. Now, we must finish our work. We have our case. We only want our man. Watson, the trade. Come along. Every moment's of importance. You'll never be possible. Ah, as I thought, not a sign of him. He'll have heard our shots and escaped. Ah, this door's locked. Keep still. Listen. Huh? Do you hear that? Stand aside and be ready to rush in. I'm going to take this lock. Oh, Mrs. Staples. Oh, the poor wretch. Quick, Watson, help me untie and get that gag out of our minds. Holmes. Oh, look at that whiplash on her neck. The brute. Dear madam, sip this brandy. He cannot escape us, madam. No, no, I mean Sir Henry. Yes. And the hound. Dead. Thank God. Thank God. Oh, oh. See how he's treating me. I hurt him. I hurt him. Then help us. Tell us where we can find him. Only one place he can have fled to. The old tin mine. Where? On an island in the heart of the mire. That's where he kept the hound, and that's where he'll be. But look at the fog. No one could find his way into Grimpen Mire tonight. Yes, he couldn't see the guiding wands tonight. What do you mean? We planted them together to mark the pathway through the mire. I see. Oh, if only I could have plucked them out today. Then you'd have him at your mercy. Well, it's no use our going after him till the fog lifts. 
Lestrade, will you stay on here? Certainly, Mr. Holmes. Watson, we must take Sir Henry back to Baskerville Hall. This is Stapleton. If the weather has cleared, we will call for you tomorrow morning. The next morning, Mrs. Stapleton guided Holmes, Lestrade, and myself to the edge of the bog. We left her standing on the firm, peaty soil and began to follow the small wands that showed the zigzagging path through the foul quagmire. Its grip clutched at our heels as we walked, as if some malignant hand were tugging us down. Well, the early there, Watson. Yeah, thank you for that, eh, Lestrade? Yeah. a good firm London pavement every time. Hello? What? Look, Watson. That... There's something in the mud. Just, just to the right there. I need it, don't you get caught. Look, look, look. Give me a hand, you see? Look at this. An old boot? Why risk your life for this, sir? Look at the maker's name, Watson. Yes. Myers, Toronto. Exactly. Wasn't that worth a mud bath? No, sir. Sir Henry's missing boot. The one that was stolen from his London hotel. Stapleton must have used it to set the hound on his track and then thrown it away in his flight when he knew the game was up. He got as far as Hewlett. Yes. Come on. Let's see what else we can learn. Uh, but more than that, we were never destined to melt. When we reached the firmer ground, we looked eagerly about us. There were many traces of Stapleton's habitation, the chain where the animal was kept, the bones that it gnawed, the remains even of Mortimer's poor little curly-haired sparrow, and the tin of luminous paint that had been used to make the house glow with fire. But of the man himself, no sign met our eye. If the earth told a true story, then he never reached that island of refuge. Somewhere in the foul slime of Grimpenmire, this cold and cruel-hearted man is forever buried. Towards the end of November, Sir Henry Baskerville and Dr. Mortimer were in London on the first stage of a voyage round the world to calm Sir Henry's shattered nerves. They called on us one raw and foggy afternoon, and the four of us sat and talked round a cheerful fire in our sitting room in Baker Street. You know, Mr. Holmes, there are still one or two things about the case that puzzle me. I'll do my best to clarify them. Well, was Stapleton really a relative of mine? Oh, yes, beyond all question. He was the son of Roger Baskerville, old Sir Charles's younger brother, who fled under a cloud to South America. Ah, and Mrs. Stapleton? She was a Costa Rican beauty by name Beryl Garcia. He stole some money, changed his name to Vandeleur, and brought her to England with him. And was his knowledge of Lepidoptera all a pretense? He seemed such an expert. No, that was the one true thing about him. The British Museum recognized him as an authority. Why, he even has a moth named after him. <laughs> the Vandeleur. Really? Tell me, where on earth did he find that fearsome hound? In London. He bought it from Ross and Mangles, the dealers in Fulham Road. He took it down by the North Devon line and walked it over the moor so as to get it home without exciting notice. Mm -hmm. But then one thing upset his plans. He had to decoy Sir Charles onto the moor at night, but his wife refused to help him. 
threats and even, I'm sorry to say, blows failed to move her. So, as we know, he laid his plot with Mrs. Laura Lyons. But did neither of these ladies suspect anything? Probably both did. But they were both under his influence. And his main accomplice was a dumb animal who could never give him away. Indeed. Then your arrival on the scene, Sir Henry, brought him to London with his wife. He dared not leave her behind. Then she sent me that note of warning. Yes. I knew all along that it had been sent by a woman. How could you know that? Do you remember when I examined that piece of notepaper for watermarks? Yes. In doing so, I was conscious of the scent known as white jessamine. It's very necessary for the criminal expert to be able to distinguish between the 75 perfumes. <laughs> Mr. Holmes, tell me, was Mrs. Stapleton in love with her husband? She certainly feared him. She may have loved him. The two are by no means incompatible. But on the day of the crisis, she turned against him. Well, now, gentlemen, may I suggest that for the rest of the evening, we turn our thoughts into more pleasant channels. <laughs> I have a box for Lee Huguenot. Oh, have you heard the Doreski? No, no, I don't. Perhaps we can stop at Martini. of the stories of Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And now you've heard part three, you know how it ended. My name in real life is Norman Shelley. My friend Carlton Hobbs played Sherlock Holmes, and I was Dr. Watson. Felix Felton wrote the script for this production by the BBC from London. And of course, I look forward to the pleasure of your company again very soon for more of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Thank you.